You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. one and all welcome back to the we are theater podcast and we've packed our bags once again and we've headed back to gander because come from away is coming to sydney actually by the time you guys are listening to this previews will have started so get your tickets because we'll touch on that later on where you can get them but today we are talking to emma powell who plays beulah and others in cfa australia hey emma how are you going I'm very well, Josh. How are you? I am fantastic. <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking about Come From Away again. Um, I know. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> such a fantastic show. Um, and for anyone who hasn't seen the Australian tour yet, last chance. Get your tickets because you are not going to want to miss this whatsoever. Um, Emma, do you want to give us a quick rundown on Beulah? Uh yeah. Um, so Beulah is, she's actually, the character in the show is uh, a real person. I mean, they're all real people um, in the show from Gander and Come From Away is, but she's actually made, there's actually two women who, is, who have become the Beulah that I play. So um, the Beulah in Gander, she runs um, uh, the Gander Academy, which is the school. Uh, and she basically... It's where I think, I think she has 700 people in her school in, in, you know, on the basketball court, the classrooms and in the cafeteria. Uh, and she's kind of like that person that when there's a, a problem or you're in crisis, who will just make you food and who will sit you down and get you a cup of tea. You know, she's that she's the maternal kind of that the, the womb of the of the place if if you get my drift so it's sort of she's that she's that person you go to for a hug or to and to have something organized so and she's pretty you know she's pretty she loves a good joke she's not real good at them but <laughs> you know she's 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 just what salt of the earth you know everybody's an auntie do you know what i mean it's like all grandma basically um showing my age but um yeah she's just she's one of those one of those really good country folk basically yeah yeah, awesome. Um, you mentioned real people, uh, and you've actually got to meet the people that this character is based off. So, a bit different from regular musicals, where it's usually text or historical figures. Yes. What's it like to actually get to pick the brains of these people who do this to help develop that character? It was wonderful and strange and daunting and awesome all at the same time. Normally, you know, when you opening night in a show is the most nerve wracking or or nervous that you'll be. But the night that they all came, they arrived in Melbourne. This was originally when we opened it. They arrived in Melbourne a few days before and we hadn't met them yet. And then we found out they were in the preview that night. And we were beside ourselves. We, we, We were so nervous and we were so anxious and also excited to have them in the audience. Um, And they came on stage afterwards, which wasn't going to happen, but they did anyway. (laughs) It was just wonderful. And that's where I met um, Beulah and Diane, who who Beulah is based on. And it was kind of like everything clicked into place in terms of the, the script and the score and the work that you know, we'd been doing on our characters. It was like everyone, everything went, oh, right, okay, I see. You know, it was, um, and it was just, it was kind of, as I said, it was just kind of like meeting my auntie or meeting yeah. a mate or, you know, just really 
I mean, they've, you know, they've, they went to the New York opening, they went to the London opening, they've been everywhere, you know, they're, they're kind of stars, you know, they're absolute stars uh, back home in particular in Newfoundland, but they're just so grounded, wonderful. And, you know, I love a drink. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, and we're just like, we've got to open in a week. We can't, can't keep coming out with you. But yeah, just really, really great people. And yeah, very, it was daunting. It was really, really daunting. Yeah. Did you pick up on anything after meeting them? Did you change anything subtly or do you do you have a pretty good um, representation? Like did those conversations click anything into place where you just slightly adapted a way you presented something? Not really. I think, you know, with the six weeks of rehearsals that we'd done um, with the creative team, you know, they, they asked us to interpret these roles ourselves like you know they, they said we're not doing a version of these people so at its core we had the core um values and the core ideas really solid by the time we hit the stage so it really just confirmed what we'd done for the last six weeks really um it just it just in terms of in terms of you know my own thought process of where it was coming from, I guess that just solidified that a little bit. But certainly nothing nothing changed as such. It was all very, um, it was all pretty solid. And, you know, the creative team, I mean, they're incredible and they've been working on this show for such a long time. Yeah. They get it, you know. But they did say, you're not doing an interpretation. You do, you're not doing them. You're not playing them. You are doing your interpretation of this character within this show that's come from a real person so it's yeah um yeah just sort of solidified that we're all and that we're on we were on the right track and that I was on the right track too that was really nice yeah. yeah what was your experience with come from away prior to being cast and starting to rehearse the show absolutely nothing yeah. I had no idea what it was um <laughs> uh someone had said to me I think maybe a year before auditions came out, they'd heard that it was coming and they went, oh, you should go for Come From Away. And I went, great, no idea what you're talking about, um, but I'll look out for it. And then when I heard that it was a, a show, you know, Canadian, I thought, and it's got an accent that isn't just Canadian. And I, and I thought to myself, oh, well, it'll be like French Canadian, right? I, I had no idea that there was this, this place, northeastern tip of Canada that... Um, had Irish in there. I have no idea. And so when when the brief came out and you know they sent some information on, on on the accent and I was just what's happening in my brain. I was like, what's I don't I don't understand this, which everybody felt pretty much. Um, and even I went to a dialect coach for the auditions and she'd never had to do a Gander accent, so or Newfoundland accent, so she had to research it. And you can't just type into YouTube. Newfoundland accent right so it doesn't just really doesn't come up um so in that sense and I had no idea what the story was either um and it was such a beautiful beautiful story um because I had researched that obviously and it kind of just reminded me of you know what we do as a community during bushfires here and floods and things like that it was a very similar had had that the generosity and um, but I also was a bit like a 9-11 story, huh? How's like, that going to go here, like you know? The elevator pitch, a lot of people hear and that's what detects yes. for buying tickets. They're like, oh, 9-11? Yeah, a bit dark. Mm, no. That type of story. It's definitely the 
there's obviously we have to tell the story of what actually happened and why they yeah yeah but it's more about the the community and the sharing the love side of things than the yep the it's more of a universal uh theme it, 9-11 is simply the context in which this happened. It's a bit like Les Mis, it's the French Revolution, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, like these stories of these people, um, they could happen in any in any context. You could put, you know, as I said, it could be a bushfire, it could be a flood, it could be. So, but as you say, the elevator pitch, and I think that's why this show does so well once we're into the run of the show, because it's, it's such a word of mouth show. Because people might say, oh, 9-11, uh, not sure about that. But people come to the show and then they bring people back and then they, you know, it's like this and it just starts to build and the audiences get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's caught in it and yeah. it just spreads. And it's quite funny. Like it's a funny, like there's a, there's a lot of humour in this show and people go, what? And you go, yeah, I know, but, but and, and also as Aussies, that's how we cope too, right? Like we, we do, we're really good at sort of, um, you know, joking to get ourselves through a difficult uh, crisis and difficult situation yeah. so it, yeah it, it does um it does enjoy a good long run so that we can sort of build um build that word of mouth and you know people just keep coming back and bringing people it's beautiful yeah yeah getting the 9-11 side of things what was your personal experience what did you remember from <sighs> that take, oh, going yeah. into the room and having to kind of relive all of that well, my, it was, I was doing Mamma Mia in Melbourne and it was a Tuesday night. My daughter was being looked after by my sister at her house um, because my husband at the time was in Sydney doing a show. So I was on my way home to pick her up via my sisters and I had the radio on and there was something on there that something had happened in New York. I thought, oh, I don't know what's happening. Picked her up, got home turned the telly on it was Sandra Sully and you know the twin towers were burning or only actually only one at that point I rang my husband at the time and I said and he said to me the pentagon's been had a plane gone into it I said darling that's the world trade center it's not the pentagon he said no it's the pentagon I said it's not we were there a few years ago blah 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 anyway he'd been watching another station obviously and then up came the double thing of the pentagon and I was like oh my gosh, it's both. So um, when we went into the rehearsal room, we spent uh, a morning or an afternoon or even a whole day sort of talking about our 9-11 experiences. And we had a couple of um, actors uh, from the US who were in the room and their experience was quite different to ours, obviously. They were quite young at the time, but it's still incredibly, like what one of one of our actors couldn't, they couldn't get onto his auntie. They didn't know where, like, and it really was that thing of what, are we at war? What's like, what's happening? And I think there was quite a lot of emotion in the room when we talked about it because it was, um, it changed the world. Yeah. You know, it, it changed the world and our response, the West's response to it changed the world as we know it. And so we did spend quite a lot of time talking about that, that response and the fear that it kind of instilled in us, that it had touched us that way because I think you know the west we'd been fairly untouched you know and then suddenly there we were but um so yeah we did we did spend quite a bit of time talking about that because that is such an important part of the piece is about people's 
vulnerability at the time and yeah. how, you know, communication went down. They didn't know whether why they were flying in. They didn't know. They, most people didn't know what was happening. They're like, we've heard something, but we don't know what it is. And then how that then translated to how they dealt. Like, yeah, quite a quite a, a deep conversation about, about that time. Yeah. And I feel like that is kind of why the show like you can you could see this show in london in new york and australia and get a slightly different interpretation because the story means different things over the world because of the way people perceived it obviously through media but also distance and Mm -hmm. that the the actors uh, felt different things and bring that to the stage differently so something i hadn't thought about with this show that's definitely interesting yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, it is. Getting to share the different perspectives on stage of this story, though, because it's not just Bueller's, it's the other minor characters that you flip between throughout the show. Mm, um, mm. Getting to flip those scenes and play multiple characters sharing this story, what's that like, getting to flip between characters? Well, I mean, now it's sort of, uh, it's in the body, it's muscle memory, it's mind memory, it's it's all, it just sort of clicks. But originally, yeah, we had to really sort of embody, you know, one moment you're embodying one character having a certain response and then next thing, like seconds later, you're embodying a different a different character. So, yeah, we really had to, to shift that focus um, and often it didn't work. Like, you know, I play my two, uh, uh, Beulah, who is my main, I spend most of my time as Beulah, into Dolores, which is a New York woman at the back of the plane who created quite the hubbub. And, and there was literally a person who had claustrophobia and created quite a, quite a lot of hubbub on her plane. Um, and that's me. So, and I remember in the dialogue, I just couldn't do the New York, accent I just kept going into the the Irish you know Newfoundlander accent instead of you know the um the 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 sort of (laughs) New York accent so yeah really I I don't shift as much as others um there's a couple of people in the show who shift quite a lot and spent a lot more time in their secondary character yeah um and I really I just uh, you know they're incredible how they do it um and, and also there's like a physical change. Like it's like a, you just change. You, I mean, there's different ways that you can do it. You can do it via accent. You can do it via imagining yourself in that position or you can make a physical change, which can just change how you then, how the role then, you know, is physically in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot of work to be done from everybody to, to inha- you know, inhabit those roles. Um, but the show itself, not only in the roles, but it, we go from direct address to the audience to being in a scene, to direct address to being in a scene, to you know. So, so there's a lot of there's a lot of let's say acting gymnastics, I suppose you'd call it. It's very much you know you have to be really sort of pliable and elastic while you're doing it. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. What's the biggest thing that you um as an actor have learned through this experience with this show oh how to let things go um because you know it's live theater you're gonna make mistakes every now and again right you're gonna be tired or you know you might 
not fluff a line, but you might trip over something. And we, you know, we bash ourselves about that. You know, we go, oh, oh, that's no good. But with this show, we just have to keep going. So you have to put, because then otherwise it affects the rest of your performance if you're hanging on to it. In other shows, often you can go off stage, do a costume change, have a bit of a rah moment. And let it go but this show because we're on stage all the time you know you don't have that that moment to decompress yeah um so i've learned a lot about that i think too a lot most of the roles i've done have been kind of the funny sidekick or the comedic role so i've you know um and people is you know quite funny in some moments but you know she's got this i've sort of been able to at 53 years of age now I'm sort of doing more dramatic work, which I really enjoy. Um, so that's been a real focus for me and a challenge as well, because, you know, it's not easy to be funny, but that's kind of my, my shtick, you know, that's sort of <laughs> what I've done in the past and that's what I'm known for. But being able to balance that with some really, uh, really nice, I'm not blowing smoke, but, um, you know, the, the, the show itself is a beautiful dramatic piece as well. So um, to be able to tell that story, you know, and be in the moment, be present. That's the other thing too yeah. that I've had to learn. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've got to tour with a ton of amazing shows that have come through Australia. Kinky Boots, which is yeah. where we first met. Um, yeah. Prisma, uh, Mama Mia, you said. Comparing those shows with like audience reactions to come from away, what's mm. that like? Like obviously people, yeah, call the show's great, but I feel like this show has a lasting effect. Um, like it really makes you think about certain things after you leave. Um, so getting to hear audience reactions and that type of thing, what what's that been like? It's pretty extraordinary actually. I mean, I feel like, you know, the business that I'm in is, you know, can range from being a distraction for people. Like you go in and you get entertained for, you know, a couple of hours uh, and that's great. Um, and then there are other shows or experiences that people have in a show that does change something intrinsically about themselves, or at least a seed will drop in. I mean, Kinky Boots was a little bit like that too. Um yep. Uh, but come from away, the responses we've had from audiences are things like, like people at Stage Door, for example, things like, I forgot that we can be good yeah. as humans. We actually have goodness in us. Um, it's a bit of a me kind of world, so it can be. And I think that it just taps people in. I mean, people, I mean, the mask wearing has been difficult that the audience in Melbourne, they this second time round wearing masks and then again in Brisbane after lockdown. That was difficult because we can see the audience yeah. quite, a, quite a bit during the show because we do direct address and the, the fourth wall is well and truly kind of down in that respect. And it's amazing how much we can't see in terms of their, or their, or their, we can see eyes, but without the rest of the face, it's been an interesting thing for us in terms of yeah. what we can uh, see. But, you know, people just in tears of joy or or sadness at certain points or just moves people, I think. And, you know, at the end when 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 the majority stand up and people will go, thank you, thank you. You can they're just reaching out and going, thank you, thank you, you know. And I, and that 
that to me is is a good 110 minutes worth of performing you know like that's you know i i i hope that it does um make people realize that we can we can be good we are good you know as humans we are we do have that capacity everybody has that capacity if a little town in in Gand and newfoundland can do it then we can all do it exactly you know, we've all got that capacity yeah i love that yeah uh, mm. Speaking of 2020 and the lockdowns, how did you go with dealing with kind of getting taken away from the show and getting taken away from work and everything like that? And how did you process those months off? Um, I think initially, you know, I think initially everybody was a bit kind of, woo, I'm going to do exercises and I'm going to bake bread and I'm going to, you know, I think everybody was sort of um, trying, again, trying to see the, fun side and the interesting side of it and it also felt a little bit like normal in between gigs too where <laughs> when you're in between gigs you don't go out much because you don't have the money so you don't go out anyway so <laughs> just at home and waiting for the phone call to say here's a gig coming or there's an audition but the longer it went on and the stress of going oh money what are we going to do um and and then the understanding that dropped in that was like oh what we do is live what we do requires people to gather this is a nightmare yeah and and it was just we could not project when or if we were ever going to get back and then in September so Melbourne was still kind of in semi lockdown I think in September and the second one um and that big one and we got the news i think in september that we were going to be back in january in melbourne and i went we won't we so won't you know it just didn't seem in melbourne you know i was like oh see you in brisbane you know like it's not going to happen like in my head and maybe that was a protection thing not to get too excited but as it got closer and then you know the new people started rehearsing it's like oh maybe and then we did a new year's eve sort of um filming and i went oh maybe and then we were there on the 2nd of january rehearsing and we just couldn't i mean we did lock down during the run but we did it and people came to because that was the other thing like we could we could rehearse it but are people going to come are people going to feel confident in coming to a theater and just sitting next to each other granted with a mask so there was so much yeah, it's just like we don't know. It, so much don't knowness. I didn't. Um, that's not even a word. Uh, I didn't really do much during that whole year. I, I was creatively really dry, and I know a lot of people did some incredible work, um, but it sort of knocked me for six a little bit, I think. And it made me go, "Oh, is this, is this what I really want to do when I grow up? Maybe I should do something else." That <laughs> if we have if we have another pandemic, then I'm not going to be out of work, you know, like all of those things, which I wasn't alone in, in feeling like that. Um, so what about you? How did you? I was doing. What did you do? So I started, I was, I started a podcast with Six the Musical at the start of 2020. Oh, right, right. Lockdown kind of kicked that picked up because everybody was at home. So I kind of yeah. my own little bubble doing podcasts and talking to people about, a show and kind of recreating 
that moment and we were going deep into things like characters mm. and certain moments in shows. So it was kind of like reliving the show for an hour every week, which was great for me. And I was putting myself back in there. And then at the end of the year, I got to that point where I was like exhausted. I was just like, yeah, I, bet. I need to take a couple of months off and got everything ready. And that's where this show came from. Um, yeah. And- yeah, I was like, cool, by that time Frozen was open in Sydney, so I had gone back to a theatre and gotten that excitement back and then I came yeah. down to see you guys in Melbourne. Um, so it was just, it was a very weird time, like, because I was living in my own little bubble talking to people all over the world and creating this kind of little moment of yay and then looking at the outer world and being like, because I, uh, I got made redundant from my job and everything like that oh. as well travel agent so like oh no (laughs) pretty much similar like oh my god is this really what i'm gonna do when's travel gonna be back like what's going on so yeah um yeah like a similar thing like obviously different industry but very similar experience in a way um and that leads us perfectly into the next question getting back to the room with everybody yes and getting those creative flows back together knowing cool we're going back on stage we're going to have an audience what was that like getting to pop that balloon I think when we when we first came back in the room which was actually to rehearse the New Year's Eve the John Fornham, Foreman uh, New Year's Eve telecast which kind of came out of the blue but we were doing Welcome to the Rock and this that day that we rehearsed there were so many tears like the moment we saw each other, the moment that we did the, we just, Luke, our, our musical director, he basically said, hey, how about we just sing it? See what happens, yeah. <laughs> right? See what happens. And as soon as that started, we just all went, I can't sing. I'm just, I got, Zoe Gertz was the worst. She was just like all the time. She's like, oh no, I'm off again. Um, first time we got it on its feet. So there were a lot of firsts, right? And And something was a little different this time around, you know, like particularly the theme of this show, which is about community. It's about doing for others instead of yourself, which is what we just come out of. Everybody, you know, people, people were doing things to make sure that we could all get back, you know, and it was, it was with that sort of energy that was brought into the space. Um, you know, my, my line in the show one of my first lines is um, that morning I'm in the classroom. It's our first day back. So, you know, the first audience that I, that I did that to was pretty special because the first audience was made up of a lot of returns from, you know, fans yeah. who were just like, I'm coming, I'm coming. So that first show was pretty special, really special. And it was a preview, but it doesn't really matter where it sits. Uh, it was really special. And we, we did a family and friends, which was, I think was 500 people as well. That was that was the day before the first preview. And Danny, our director, and Ricky, our choreographer from the US, they did a bit of a talk beforehand. And they'd done this. They'd written it down because they knew that they'd cry. <laughs> and they did. Because, of course, New York, when were they coming back? You know, we were the first. We were the first for a lot of these shows. Um so, yeah, it was really emotional and because of that it was kind of exhausting too because we were just all like, oh, my God, oh, my God. 
<laughs> crying at this, crying at that, crying at this, crying at that. with gratitude though too, you know, yeah. absolute gratitude that we were there and gratitude for, and because it was in Melbourne, which sorry to the rest of Australia, but it's kind of it come from way spiritual home yeah. in a way. And, you know, having come out of that second lockdown and then back into, um, back into performing, it just felt like the perfect place and time to do it. And yeah, so a lot of gratitude because a lot of our friends weren't working and they didn't know when they were going to. So yeah, we were, we were, it was, and it has a different feel now for sure. And it's that thing of being in the present and going, we don't know, we could get locked down tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I mean, Melbourne may be in one shortly, but we could. And so let's just enjoy the moment that we're in, you know? Um, but yeah, stepping back, I mean, our bodies were a bit like, what are you doing? Yeah. You've been sitting for seven months. What are you doing to me? Yeah. That's- <laughs> you want to you want what? <laughs> like, okay. Not it's only 110 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I don't want to see another chair in my life. Well, I've been sitting on one for seven months and now I've got to move them. I don't understand. Yeah, so so we were um yeah, we it took us a little while to get show fit, but yeah, it was um yeah, a lot of firsts, which was even though we'd done it before, if you know what I mean. Yeah. One of my favorite character to character um kind of interactions is the relationship between Bueller and Hannah. How did you go with Sharice and kind of work on that relationship? Because it's one of the more pinnacle relationships, I think, in the show um, that's underlying right until the very end, Mm. find out what Mm. goes on. Um, So delving into that side of things and having to make that connection um, and create that relationship on stage, what was that like? Um. Well, I mean, we we connected off stage immediately anyway. It was just we both kind of um, not long into the first round of rehearsals, we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to get along, you know, and um, which I think was a great start, you know, like to have a, have a great relationship off stage as well. Um, but certainly the on stage, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a joke that she does at the end and I laugh and we hug and I said to her recently when we came off, I said that my laugh, every show is genuine because you make me laugh. There was, there's something you, every time it's a bit different and you do something and it just, I'm actually genuinely laughing at you. I'm not pretending to laugh, which, you know, eight shows a week for this long is pretty cool that, that every time I'm just like, (laughs) you know, Oh, that's funny. Um, Same line, everything, but there's just something about her. Um, and also too, I mean, she's, um, I mean, I'm a mum and so I can kind of, I guess, uh, I have empathy with Hannah, the character of Hannah too. Um, and Bueller is as well. So I think that's where that, that comes from. And I think they meet their match in a way because Hannah is, she's strong, you know, she's, she's trying to get, get through to talk to her son. And she has a go at Bueller and then Bueller's like, oh, yeah, that was the wrong thing to do. But they kind of give as good as they get. Yeah. And I think um, I think it's that as mothers, um, these two characters connect on that level, yeah. you know, and I think that that's, I think that's at its core what it is. And they, and they to this day are 
such good friends. Yeah. They're absolutely, like the real um, Beulah and Hannah are just still incredibly, incredibly close friends. Um, so I think that's where they, they kind of connect in those moments, but also personality wise, they're still, that they, they sort of, <laughs> they kind of, um, a bit like a, mag a magnet, you know, when you put it the other way and it kind of goes, and it doesn't quite meet, but it's still perfect. You know, <laughs> it's such a great feeling that, isn't it? It's that little, not quite, but, but then when you turn it, it goes snap together. So it's, it's a little bit like that, you know? I love yeah, that. It was a bit, yeah. It was a beautiful thing to sort of work through with her as a mate anyway, yeah. to have those moments. So sometimes, you know, I'm not going to give anything away, but in that last moment, yeah, I, I, I find it very difficult to disconnect as Emma to yeah. what's happened. But it, it, yeah. It gets yeah. me every time. And when you look like every time further into it, it's just like, once you know the history behind it and what happened, you just like mm. it, as well. Um, after you see it like a second time and everything like that. Yes. Um, as Beulah, what is your favourite moment in the show? Oh, wow. So many. Um, I have to say I, I love sitting and watching Colby Kindle do the Bob. Um, his I call them his stand-up routines because they kind of are and he's so good and he's so funny. I just love sitting because at that point we're just sitting on stage watching and I just love it. I just love how he does it. I love what he does. Yeah, I love, you know, him and he's just so good. I also really, really, really like um, Somewhere in the Middle of Nowhere um, when we're headed home. Yeah. Uh, that's really beautiful and kind of bittersweet too, you know, um, going home, but also that that was an experience I don't ever want to forget, you know, so it's, it, that's a really, really lovely moment. And I'm an animal lover. So Bonnie with her animals at the end is, I love that. Fantastic. They're my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it just, there's so many cool moments in this show. And I know, right. It's hard. It's a hard question. <laughs> Do you have any favorite moments in the show? Uh, Screech in. Is just oh yeah, that's fun. As soon as that picks up, um, there's just so many. Like, I know, right? That's a hard question. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about the show is the roller coaster of emotion. You go from being all excited to being put back in your seat and almost crying to being picked up again, and then going like you go from screeching to me in the sky, and it's just like, oh, oh okay, like. Wow, uh, emotion, and then you get to the end of the 110 when nearly as exhausted as you guys because we're like, <laughs> what are we feeling right now? Like, oh my god! Um, I think that's my favorite thing is just how well the show flows and it's not cutscene, cutscene, cutscene. Do you know what I love about it is that you know, in terms of theatrically, is it treats the audience with respect because it says, okay, we're going to tell you a story. Now, some of it. Most of it will be chronological, some won't. We're going to do it this way and then we're going to do it this way. And, and it says to the audience, we know you're going to come with us. We know you can, right? We, we're not going to spoon feed you. Yeah. You know, this is you get on the ride um, and we want you to not participate, that's the wrong word, because there is no audience participation. But, you know, it really just does say to the audience, we, you know, we got you, you got us, let's go. You know, it's a relationship. And um, 
and that's what I love about it is that um, and people don't get lost. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was, I was like. You don't need clear in a way that you don't need a blackout to process that scene. Like no, you can go from one scene to an X back to back and not need that 30, 40 seconds to be like, oh my god, that was yeah. Like, it, it's just very surface level, easy to follow, really nice to pick up on, but with really. But it's doing something as well at the same time. <laughs> So dynamic. So dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I, yeah, I think that that's the beauty of it. And also the audience is kind of feeling what happened then because, you know, they went for five days straight with very little sleep. Yeah. So, exactly. so the show goes, 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 goes. So you have that, you have that effect of, that's why um, it's great that it's one act because it doesn't stop. So it doesn't stop. And there's very few moments in the, there's only three three applause moments, you know, for that reason as well. Because it's like, no, we're going, we're going, we're making toast, we're, we're giving the person some clothes, we're putting someone up in our house, we're checking on the thing. Oh, oh there's a baby over here. Oh, okay. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so it, it's that it's that sense. And we feel that on stage too. Like it's that one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And then, and then at the end when we sing to you, you are um, here at the start of a moment, we are like passing the baton to you, to the audience. It's like, we've told our part of the story over to you. Yeah. When is, when have you had to do this? Do you, you know, this is your, we're going to give you this sort of, um, we've given you our experience and now it's yours, yeah. you know? And I think, I think that's what, that's why we get the response. We go back to the, our conversation about the responses is that there is an absolute relationship with the audience. They are they are the other character in the room, you know. They are just as much a, a character as Chair Seven, you know, <laughs> like or uh, as as we are, you know. Um, and it's that invisible umbilical that you can feel with an audience too. Yeah. It just you just know you just you go like we'll come off from a show and go oh, or during a show and go that you can just feel it. You just feel that that energy like yeah that that elastic that's joining us together yeah yeah i love it well emma that brings us to the end of the episode oh no us. um guys You're welcome if you haven't seen coming for what even if you have it doesn't matter um go back come back <laughs> um what date do you guys start is it june 8th Tenth, uh, we open, um, and the third is our first uh, first Sydney show. It's a preview, but it's our first Sydney show, and we've been trying for a year to get there. So, and in the one <laughs> please come theater. So, like, yeah, beautiful venue. It's going to be a really cool vibe. I know there's the triple B seats in, so there's going to be no orchestra pit. So it's going to be like pretty much sitting on top of the stage if you're down the front. But doesn't matter where you are, guys. You're going to have a wonderful experience. So make sure you head to comefromaway.com.au forward slash tickets right now to purchase your tickets and get there. I'm going to be there multiple times. So if you see me. Yay. Um, but we will be sharing this story uh, this week and next week. We've got Alana Trainer coming on next week to talk from a stand perspective. Um, we're back in Gander and I could not be more excited. Um, to wrap things up, Emma, for anyone yeah. sitting on the edge of their seat being like, oh, 9-11 musical, if we haven't convinced them by this point, what's your final sales pitch to those people? Okay. 
Good question. <laughs> I want to say you won't be disappointed, but that doesn't that doesn't cover it at all. I think, particularly with um, what we're going through now, I feel like if you want your heart to be touched and have a good old laugh as well, come. If you want to have an experience, a live experience with this beautiful story, um, come see it. Come see it. You won't. Yeah, you won't regret it. You won't. You one hundred percent won't regret it. I, Money's worth. One hundred percent agree. And guys, that is where we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back next week with a brand new episode of the We Are Theatre Podcast. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.